The game is over. Your Bucks postgame show starts now. Welcome to Bucks Talk. Insight, analysis, and your chance to sound off on the game you just heard. Now to break it all down, here's your host, Justin Garcia. Well, probably the Bucks' best win this season, and it's certainly their best win to date. Unless they have a similar comeback in Phoenix on Tuesday night, I don't see, all things considered, I don't see another win touching that this season. When you, you think about the spot the Bucks were in, down by 24 points at the end of the first quarter, and I mentioned this on the postgame, but it is the 18th time in NBA history that a team has won a game in which they were outscored by 24 or more in any of the four quarters played in that game. Down by 24 at the end of the first quarter, the Bucks looked as dead in the water as it gets. Down by 20 with two minutes and 12 seconds left in the first half. And then they go on to score the final 15 points of the half. They make it a five-point game. And as, as we heard from Doc Rivers, you know, once we got it to 10, it was a game, and we all felt that, and, and especially once it was down to five. It was certainly a game. It would take the Bucks six minutes to tie the game in the third quarter. The two teams would trade the lead quite a bit for the close of that third quarter, but the Bucks seemingly had control of the game for most of that fourth quarter. The lead seemed to sit at around seven or eight points for the first five to six minutes of the fourth quarter, and from there we would see the Bucks start to pull away slowly but surely, and a couple of reasons for that. We, do, we will get to that on the show tonight, but I do want to hear your thoughts as we saw one of the things all of you, most of you, I should say, were calling for loudly last year and for the last few years. Saw quite a few of them. And I don't think it is a coincidence the Bucks won the game with those changes. We'll explain those, but I do want to hear from you as well. 855-616-1620 is the number to join us tonight on Bucks Talk. You see your first win by Doc Rivers on the sidelines for the Bucks. They keep hope alive for a winning road trip, as we heard Chris Middleton catching up with Dave Kane after the game, talking about the importance of that. A loss tonight would have meant that's not possible, number one, but... If we're being honest, you lose this game tonight, and especially the way the game started in that first quarter, you're suddenly staring at the possibility, the strong possibility, of an 0-5 road trip, which, given what we're seeing from teams beneath the Bucks in the standings, could have been disastrous. But the way this offense started to find its footing, the efficiency that you saw from your two superstars in this game, and Doc Rivers shared some thoughts on that, but specifically the defense and some of the adjustments we saw from Doc Rivers, but most importantly from this team, from the players and this defensive unit, especially in the second half of this game, to hold the Mavericks to 73 points over the final three quarters of this game. An incredibly impressive win tonight for the Bucks. 855-616-1620, the number to join us tonight on Bucks Talk, uh, I'll tell you what those adjustments were, what stood out the most, and plenty of time to hear from you after this on Bucks Talk.
129 to 117, the final in Dallas. The Bucks with a big win over the Mavericks. You avoid an 0 3 start to this very difficult road trip. It's going to be a tough game tomorrow. Now, the Bucks have been one of the better teams in the league on night two of a back to back. But tomorrow is going to have its set of challenges because, look, the Bucks have not played well in Utah through the years. Utah and Phoenix, the final two stops on this road trip, are stops that have not been kind to the Bucks for going on, what, three decades, essentially. Um, Phoenix, it's longer than that. And I know the Bucks snapped that long streak. I believe it was 24 consecutive years that the Bucks had lost in Phoenix to the Suns. They had snapped that uh, quite some time ago, but haven't found a whole lot of success, especially in recent years. And you think about that game, They've had a couple of really good ones. You think about the one the year that the Bucks would ultimately play the Suns in the finals. Um, coming down to that Giannis shot that he missed at the buzzer just after the All-Star break. But these two places are not places the Bucks have found a whole lot of success through the years. So that adds to just how important this game was tonight for the Bucks And the way that they responded after that first quarter... Doc Rivers talked about that specifically, that we showed a video of all the missed wide-open shots that we had. We showed video of that to the team at halftime. In the first quarter, it really seemed to impact how we played. We didn't do everything great, but we just didn't make any shots in that quarter. So I felt like we could get back into the game. That if I show this team some of that footage of, look, you're missing these shots, those are going to start to fall, and I think that was one of the bigger trends or themes, I should say, of this game. Is You looked at the way the Mavs started the game, and it's, it's easy to say, well, the law of averages, right? Things will start to even out. You'll have that regression to the mean. The Mavs are shooting 70% on threes. They're not going to shoot at that percentage for the duration of the game. The Bucks were shooting 30%. You figured, okay, we're not going to shoot this poorly from the outside for the duration of the game. But you can't rely on that. You have to do some things to jumpstart your offense. You have to do some things to slow theirs down. And that's exactly what we saw. The biggest adjustment, as Doc Rivers talked about this in the postgame, you saw this late in the first half. And I also thought it was interesting to hear the reasoning behind why we saw this change when we saw it. But you saw the Bucks start to trap and blitz. And I mentioned at the top of the show, there's a couple of things we saw tonight that I know a majority of Bucks fans, a majority of you listening, have been calling for for years. Why don't the Bucks do this? Why don't the Bucks play defense like this? Why don't the Bucks do some things like this? You saw two of those big things tonight. Number one was part of that trapping and the way that the Bucks did it. And Doc Rivers said, "Look, we we have something that we call it. That's what the team was yelling after the game, but." What makes it effective? And we worked on this yesterday because Bucks did have two days off in between this. Granted, it was on the road, but two days off. Um, what made this more effective was we were bringing the trap from different spots. It wasn't just the first two guys that were up there, um, the the head of the snake, essentially. It wasn't just, all right, you two are the first up. You're the ones that are going to trap. We were bringing that secondary help from different spots at any given moment. That you could see Luka Doncic, I don't know if I'd say rattled, but you could see Luka Doncic not quite sure where that help was coming from. 
picking up the ball, waiting to see, okay, is it coming from this side? Is it coming from the strong side? And that slowed down Luka Doncic. It led to some Mavericks turnovers. And the other thing was, not just the trap, you saw the Bucks blitz Luka Doncic quite a bit, and Giannis was one of those blitzers. How many times you go back to that first-round series a year ago, and this is not a knock on Mike Budenholzer or Adrian Griffin or any other coach, but at some point, when you start doing one thing one way and it's not working, I understand the logic of you dance with who brought you to the dance. And if this is what we've worked on, this is what we've coached the team to do all season, and in the case of Mike Budenholzer, basically for the last five seasons, this is what we do, this is what they're comfortable with, I get not wanting to stray away from that. But at some point, it's not working, and you have to try something different. They did that tonight, where it was, look, anybody but Luka Doncic. And I do really believe one of the things to monitor as we move through the rest of this regular season and hopefully deep into the playoffs is the Bucks' defense against those types of individual talent. We heard Doc Rivers give rave reviews, albeit in a loss, for what he saw defensively in the half court from his team on Monday to start this road trip against the Denver Nuggets and, and pointed to Nikola Jokic's stat line of, yeah, he had 25 points, but he had a lot of assists, meaning he was he was looking for other guys, and he needed 25 shots to get to those 25 points. We made him work for everything he did. We tried to take the ball out of his hands. We made him take difficult shots. Doc Rivers touched on that before the game tonight and said, look, I, I think with Luka Doncic and any type of player like that, um, he's hard to guard. But the big thing is you know he's going to score, and it's not just Luka. You're going to see it in a couple of days with Devin Booker, with Kevin Durant. You know they're going to score. You don't want to foul them. You don't want them to get points from the free throw line and slow down the game that way. You want those types of stat lines where he's going to get 25, 28, 30 points. We understand that. We want him to take 25, 28, 30 shots to get to those points. And I thought the Bucks slowly started to get there over the course of the final three quarters. 26 shots for Luka on those 40 points. Not quite. Not the most efficient game. It wasn't a terrible game for Luka Doncic. But over the course of those final three quarters, and especially in the second half, that defense was making Luka Doncic work for everything he was getting. And that blitz, right, to say, look, anybody but Luka, it can work in games like this. You can't do that against the Phoenix Suns, assuming you're going to have Bradley Beal and Devin Booker and Kevin Durant on the floor. You couldn't do it against the Dallas, or excuse me, against the Denver Nuggets, because you still had Jamal Murray out there. still had Aaron Gordon out there and Contavious Caldwell-Pope who can hit shots. So you have to pick your spots where you do this. But it was a perfect opportunity tonight when there was no Kyrie Irving, Dante Exum, another starter, out of the lineup tonight. It was basically Luka Doncic. You still have shooters out there. But when you looked up and down the roster, when you looked out there on the floor, I think Doc Rivers clearly felt comfortable saying anybody but Luka. We don't care if Josh Green hits a ton of threes. If Tim Hardaway Jr. is hitting threes, fine. Luka Doncic is not going to be. 
4 of 12 from 3 in this game. The Bucks were blitzing him, taking the ball out of his hands. Again, that blitzer was different at times. But we saw Giannis taking on that assignment as well. Two of the biggest things we have heard Bucks fans call for for years. You saw tonight from Doc Rivers throwing different looks and saying, get the ball out of that star's hands. Everything you were calling for against the Miami Heat in the playoffs a season ago, get the ball out of Jimmy Butler's hands. Anybody but Jimmy Butler, you saw that tonight, and you saw Giannis taking on that challenge. Chris Middleton was the primary defender on Luka Doncic, but on switches, on late switches, on some of those blitzing opportunities, we saw Giannis taking on that assignment and waving off the help on Luka Doncic. So a lot to like about the defense, and we didn't even touch on the transition defense. That's what Doc Rivers left this game most impressed with when he was asked if there was anything you saw tonight that you'd want to bottle up, that this is the way I envision this team playing, what stood up most to you? Transition defense. After the first quarter, we were excellent in transition. We got under the ball for three quarters. That forced other teams, if we can do this, it forces other teams to play against their size And look, one of the things that backs that up statistically, 12 turnovers, not terrible, not great. 12 turnovers for the Bucs, only four points that the Mavericks scored off of that. They were getting back in transition and getting those stops that had evaded them all of this season. And that's one of the bigger things. If you can clean that up, two of the biggest things we talked about, rebounding, continue to improve there, and transition defense. If you can clean that up, That's going to go a long way in moving the needle for your overall defense. And tonight would be what you would point to for that argument. 855-616-1620, the number to join us tonight on Bucks Talk. We'll take a look at uh, and mention the struggles the Bucks have had in Utah and uh, Phoenix. We'll take a look at the history of that series on the road coming up after this on Bucks Talk. Bucks win in Dallas. A big, big game. Look, we mentioned what the Bucks did differently defensively. That's what you, you want to take most from this game is you can see what's possible if that team can play like this. And I'll point this out, too. Um, I don't think the way that they played some of those strategies, I, I don't think that's a 48-minute thing because it, it's also worth pointing out you were able to do some of that. And, again, this is not to take away from what he brings. But you were able to do a lot of that, the blitzing and the essentially switching everything. And that's the other thing, not to get off track here, but the, the Bucks were really locked in defensively in the second half, but really for those three quarters. They were playing on the string with their rotations and their switches. You're able to do that because Brooke Lopez wasn't on the floor. And you started Robin Lopez. You didn't play him after the first four minutes that he was out there on the floor. You trimmed down the rotation. You were playing with Giannis at the five for a lot of this. The Mavs are a smaller team. They allow you to do that. Maxi Kleba's their five. He's going to stretch the floor more than anything else. Um, but you were playing with Giannis, with Bobby Portis out there, with Giannis alongside either Bobby Portis or Jay Crowder. You can't really do all of those things with Brooke Lopez on the floor because of the way that he plays. And this isn't to say, well, this is... This is all the information you need to say, hey, it's time to move on. There are still some things you need from Brooke Lopez. 
But this was the perfect matchup for the Bucks and the perfect scenario with no Kyrie Irving and no Brooke Lopez and the Bucks playing smaller themselves for you to employ some of these things. Uh, I mentioned, though, let's not let this get lost in the shuffle either. Damian Lillard was incredible tonight. Giannis is going to get the attention, 48 points, 10 assists, 20 of 28 shooting. But Damian Lillard, again, after a very, very rough month of January, where Dame's numbers well below his season averages and well below his career averages, wasn't a good month for Dame offensively. I think in turn you saw the Bucks. A lot of things did not go their way, but this team, is, as we mentioned after the Blazers game, you're predicated on your offense. You're going to be an elite offensive team if you're not getting that from one of the biggest pieces of that offense and your defense is already vulnerable. It's going to cause problems, and that's what we saw in January when the Bucks went 8-8. Eight and eight. They had a bottom 10 defense. They had an offense that was outside of the top 10. Damian Lillard's struggles were a big part of that. So to see Dame start the month the way that he did with the team winning is certainly very encouraging. 10 of 11 shooting, 5 of 5 on his threes, 30 points, 8 assists. Doc Rivers talked about that after the game as well. That He, just, he made all the right reads, he and Giannis. Neither of those two guys were forcing anything, which is crazy in a game where they combined for 78 points to think they did that, playing in the flow of the game, letting things come to them. That was a big part of the game. When you think about some of those plays that the Bucks ran up, we saw more and more. And again, this was another thing we touched on that I would assume, fixing the transition defense, continuing to get better on the boards, but in terms of what we can take big strides forward in, Transition defense, and how do we juice that two-man game with Giannis and Damian Lillard? How do we maximize Damian Lillard? Those are the two biggest things you would assume were staring Doc Rivers in the face when he took over this job. And tonight you saw both of them really turn around. Now you got to continue to move it forward. you got to sustain it. But for one game, both of those areas worked very, very well. 78 combined points from that duo and 30 of 39 shooting to get there, 7 of 10 on their threes. That duo was incredible, and that shows you what is possible for this group when you have them playing at that level and you have your defense coming up with some big stops as well. Tomorrow, though, it does not get any easier as the Bucks head to Utah to take on the Jazz. The Bucks have played in Utah 54 times in franchise history. Um, on the road against the Jazz, I should say, because some of that is New Orleans way back when. But they have not found a whole lot of success against the Jazz. 45 of those matchups were in Utah, road games. But all told, on the road, the Bucks have won 19 games against the Jazz. New Orleans or Utah, 19 wins. That is it. Five of those came when the Jazz were in New Orleans. 14 wins in the state of Utah. Now, you've won two consecutive games there. Last year it was a blowout. The year before, a tight one that the Bucks eked out. But you had a couple of ones that went down to the wire. I think we all remember in 2019, this was the final game before that 18-game win streak 
where Boyan Bogdanovich hit the game-winning three as time expired. You lose 103-100. to That was part of a 19-year drought in Utah against the Jazz. Now, you've won two straight games, but two out of 21 is not the success that you're striving for. Prior to that 19-game skid, Bucks won three straight games. But prior to that, a 10-game losing streak in Utah. So not a whole lot of success for three-plus decades that the Bucks have had in Utah against the Jazz. And it is a very, very similar story in Phoenix against the Suns, where, again, you did win last year. But prior to that, four straight losses. Then you had four straight wins. But before that, the very, very long losing streak in Phoenix where you had to go all the way back to 1987 as the last time the Bucks had won there. Uh, prior to that win in 2017, which was the game where Jabari Parker blew out his knee, it's been a very spotty record of success in Phoenix and in Utah. And look, every team is different every year. But for whatever reason, those two buildings have been houses of horrors for the Bucks. So that adds to the difficulty of this road trip. And that's what left you feeling, I don't know if I'd say dejected, but very, very disappointed with what you saw against the Portland Trailblazers earlier in the week. Because you never want to overlook any opponent but I'm sure that was a game I know Bucks fans had circled of. We know we'll get this one. If you could get two of the other four games, that would be great to go three and two on the road trip. Chris Middleton himself said, we want to go above 500 on this road trip. We got to win your final two games though. And those are going to be challenging because of the track record in both of those stops. But because tomorrow is night two of a back to back against a young Utah Jazz team. And because the final game of this road trip is against the Phoenix Suns team, very similar to the Bucks, starting to figure some things out, play much, much better in the Western Conference, and they have started to ascend in the standings up to sixth now in the West. Remember, they were right around 500, and now 28-21, and 21, just a game back of the Sacramento Kings for the fifth spot in the Western Conference. 855-616-1620 is the number to join us tonight on Bucks Talk. I mentioned the Bucks have been very good on night two of a back-to-back. We'll give you the numbers that back that up as well as the show continues after this. One twenty-nine to one seventeen, the final in Dallas. The Bucks beat the Mavericks, and against seventy-three points that you held the Mavs to over the final three quarters of this game after giving up forty-four in the first quarter. I mentioned the job that they did on Luka Doncic to try to take the ball out of his hands more. And, and this was interesting because of all the bumps that Luka took in this game. Twisted that ankle, kind of got caught underneath him early in this one. And it it didn't look worst-case scenario. But the way that it looked and the fact that Giannis was clearly concerned for Luka Doncic and never even left half court and kind of stayed by Luca over the course of that uh, that play had you wondering knowing Luca was dealing with ankle soreness on that exact same ankle coming into the game or are we even going to see Luka Doncic finish this game he came back moments later 
It went four of seven in the opening quarter, five of nine in the second quarter. But the way that defense adjusted to him in the third quarter, 0 of three on his threes, two of seven from the field, and only took three field goal attempts in 11 minutes of play in the fourth quarter, which goes back to that point that Doc Rivers made of, you know, against those types of guys, you know they're going to get their points. But we want to make it difficult, where it's either a high, high number of points and a high volume of shots, or what you saw in the fourth quarter, where Luka Doncic only took three field goals because of the looks that he was getting and the way the Bucks were shading him. That was a big part of this game and a, a big reason behind the Bucks' success in this one. I mentioned the road trip does not get any easier. You know what's in front of you with the Phoenix Suns, with Kevin Durant, with Devin Booker, with Bradley Beal, with the offense that the Suns bring. And tomorrow night in Utah, where you know we just went through the struggles the Bucks have had on the road against both the Jazz and the Suns, it is night two of a back-to-back. I think we're all going to be hitting refresh on the NBA injury report early tomorrow to see what the status is of Chris Middleton. It's been, I believe, two straight sets of back-to-backs now where we have not seen Chris Middleton play on the second night of the back-to-back. This after we we saw it, I believe, one or two times earlier in the season. But the last few, it hasn't been there. And this is a... Look, the other part of it is this is a stretch where... I believe it's five games in eight days that the Bucks are going to be playing here. So that's a lot. But the Bucks have been very good in those spots so far this season. One of the best teams in the league, as a matter of fact. On night two of a back-to-back, the Bucks are 6-1. and one. They have the second-rated offense in those games. Defense right around the middle of the pack, where you would expect from them. So the numbers bear out to what their season averages are, but they've won six of seven games on night two of a back-to-back this season. Only the Boston Celtics have a better record at seven and two. The Bucks are six and one. The Suns are six and two on those games. The Nuggets and Blazers have also won six games. A night two of a back-to-back, though they've done them on nine tries. The Bucks six and one on night two of a back-to-back. And tomorrow, the hope is that improves to seven and one. If you do that, it'll be three straight wins in Utah after you went a stretch of 19 consecutive years, having not won there. And you will have yourself set up for a chance at a three and two road trip, which again, the optics... Of that, if you win tomorrow and the total 180 from where it was on Wednesday after that loss to the Portland Trailblazers and the way the Bucks looked in that game, there was a lot to factor into it. I don't know if you can say the Bucks overlooked the opponent, but there was a lot of emotion in that game as well. You had Damian Lillard giving a press conference in the same room. Doc Rivers and Chauncey Billups spoke before the game. Yeah, Damian Lillard doing the same thing, addressing the media, talking for about 20 minutes and fielding questions about what it was like for him to return to Portland, to walk past the home locker room, to go into the road locker room, almost go into the home locker room, the confusion that he had, to be back in the city of Portland where he played for 11 years, to be back around his family too. And, and Dame, again, in the last couple of days, addressed that even more, talking about everything he's going through off the floor, how close he is to his family, how important that is to him to be going through a divorce 
and to have your family all the way on the other side of the country in Portland while you're playing in Milwaukee, all of this stuff has weighed on him this season, and I think we could see that at times. So it was a very, very emotional and strange day and game for the Bucks Wednesday in Portland. The way this game started, I think all of us were fretting the worst-case scenario for this team on this road trip. But now you have a chance to completely turn that around after these final three quarters tonight and with a win tomorrow night to even things up at 2-2 two and two and a chance at a winning road trip if that is the case. I mentioned how much things have started to change in the standings, and that's the other thing to point out what made tonight important for the Bucks. We'll get to that and take a look at the updated standings. As we get you set for the Bucks and the Utah Jazz tomorrow night, we'll do that as we wrap up Bucks talk after this. Bucks beat the Mavericks, their best win of the season, down by 24 points at the end of the first quarter. It is only the 18th time in the uh, 77 years of the NBA that a team has won a game in which they were outscored by 24 or more points in any of the four quarters. A big win, not only to get Doc Rivers' his first win as the head coach of the Bucks, to get in the win column on this five-game road trip and still give your, yourself a chance at a winning road trip, but a big win given what's going on in the Eastern Conference. So as we sit here now, with all games completed today, You are still four games behind the Boston Celtics for the top seed in the East, but the Cleveland Cavaliers and New York Knicks are both on your tail. The Cavs are 31-16, and just a half game back of you, and you have split the season series. The Knicks are 32-17, and a game and a half back of you. The Cavs is remarkable because you think about Cleveland, after they had back-to-back losses against the Bucks and in Toronto against the Raptors to wrap up the calendar year, and, and I believe the Raptors game is January 1, they were 18-15 and 15 after that happened. They're 31-16 and 16 now, a 13-1 and 1 run. They were incredible in the month of January, only losing two games. One of those came on New Year's Day. The other was to the Bucks in late January. Then you had the Knicks, who, very similar story to the Cavs at one point, 17-15. and 15. Then the calendar flipped to January, and oh, by the way, you acquired OG and Anobi in the games played since then. The Knicks have lost three times, 32-18. and 18. Conversely, you have the 76ers, who seemed like they were going to be moving past the Bucks potentially catching the Boston Celtics. But now the 76ers have all of a sudden dropped five of their last six games, and they have the news of Joel Embiid reportedly with a tear in his meniscus. How severe it is, who really knows? It sounds as though we could get a decision as early as Monday whether or not Joel Embiid will undergo surgery on that meniscus. If that is the case you would have to assume he is going to be out for a majority of what's left in the regular season. But more importantly, you look at what Giannis did tonight. You look at where the Bucks are in the standings. 
he may have kickstarted his case for a third MVP because you got to assume Joel Embiid is out of that race now. He has already missed 14 games, and by rule, you can only miss 17 games to still be eligible. So maybe the door opened for Giannis, and uh, it, it's it's going to be difficult for the Bucks to hold off those two teams behind them. Tomorrow night in Utah, it's the Bucks and the Jazz. It is a 7 o'clock tip-off. 6.30 is when our pregame coverage begins. And as always, be sure to stick around after the game for Bucks Talk.